All right, welcome back to the big program just after 9 o'clock in Edmonton as we welcome in our Tuesday co-host from Palm Desert, Grand Fuhr. Morning, Fursey. How are you? Very well. You? Good, good. Uh, did you have a great weekend? Yeah, we did. Actually, yesterday we had the Firebirds Golf Tournament that benefits the One Valley Foundation down here. So pretty good day yesterday. Well, we're going to get to all that uh, in about, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes. We'll talk about the golf and uh, everything else that's been happening with you. But time to welcome in an old teammate, an old friend of yours, as we uh, welcome in uh, Rob Ray, uh, former Buffalo Sabre, and now the Sabres analyst of Sports 1440. Uh, Rob, you're with Kevin Carries and your old buddy, Grant Fuhr. Thanks for coming in Grant today. Grant Fuhr. Grant. <laughs> What's up, Razor? I was telling a story about you the other day when it was so funny. Later in your career, when you might have had a back injury or something, when Georgie would have to tie your skates before you go out on the ice because you couldn't get bent over anymore, and then but you go out and play lights out. <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't believe this guy. He couldn't get his skates done up, but he'd go out there and he'd shut them down like crazy. So, Still a lot of stories floating around here about you. <laughs> I don't know if that's all good or positive. bad. <laughs> all positive. All positive. All positive. Uh, when's the last time you guys kind of chatted, Razor? Uh, a few years ago, uh, Grant, you came, we were in Vegas or somewhere, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Vegas. Paper, one of our road crew things. Grant, what do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, the, the traveling road show for the alumni. So, went to Vegas, and Buffalo's got a lot of fans that travel, so... Get a chance to meet a bunch of the fans, spend some time with them, see some old faces. So it was a good time. Hey, Razor, you were in Buffalo a few yeah. a few years before already playing in Buffalo, before Grant came to yep. the Sabres. What were your uh, early recollections of a guy that came in to, to play for the Sabres that already had five Stanley Cubs? Well, it, it was, you know, it was lights out. I can remember the guys that probably had the biggest impact when I was here that came in. It was when Dougie Gilmore came in, was one of those, and Grant Fuhr. It was uh, those were the two guys that made the, the biggest impact um, on young guys going, oh, man, because you crap and watch these guys. Like, I don't want to make Piercy sound like he's older than what he is, but <laughs> he, he grew up watching these guys, and that was, that's what, that was kind of the era that we were like, oh, my gosh, and not thinking we were going to be like, but wishing you were, you know, like, so – it, it, it made a huge impact. I'm telling you, and that's why I still talk to this day and age. When you got so many young guys in this game now, you got to surround them with the right veteran guys to teach them the way it's supposed to be. And if that doesn't happen, then you're in big trouble. But, you know, these guys, they could have told us anything. They could have, like, I know a lot of the stories that were told were BS, and but it was like we, they had us hook, line, and sinker. They could have told us to do anything. We were mesmerized by some of these guys. Go ahead, Grant. Oh, no, we did. Buffalo was a lot of fun. I mean, I think my first Christmas in Buffalo was Razor and uh, Kenny Sutton came over to the house and about five feet of snow. But no, you're as a veteran, you're trying to give the guys some positive and trying to teach them a winning culture. I think that's the biggest thing is and it's whatever the sales pitch is that works. As long as they believe in it, you become a good team. So that, that was kind of half the battle. But we were a good team in Buffalo. 
Yeah, Rob, you guys had some great players on that team, you know, especially 93-94, and I was talking to Grant about it, uh, I think, last week, just the fact that you had so many injuries uh, going into the playoffs. What do you remember about that team? Uh, I guess the 93-94 team, that you had a very solid uh, regular season, but then just kind of got the injury bug going into the playoffs. Well, and that, and that was the problem. It just seemed like, you know, so many times here, we here in Buffalo, they never got past the first round for, oh my God, 10 years or something like that, not until the May Day score, goal against the Boston Bruins. But, no, those teams, you know, John Muckler, I, I still look at John and, and thank him for everything that he ever did for me because I think he was a hockey god, hmm. and I think he was a very, very intelligent guy being able to, you know, put some of these groups together. And he knew, he knew what made Edmonton tick, and he tried to bring that whole thing here, what he could. And and I just think that it made such an impact on us that uh, yeah we had injuries and and we had but we had so much scoring and offensive and our D were good we had we had a little of everything it just mm-hmm. just didn't kind of come together the way it needed to at the right time but you know at any given time during the year you you could you could play with anybody. So, Grant, what did you see then with, uh, you know, what Rob's kind of saying with John Muckler and, and everything when you got there? No, I mean, I was lucky enough. I got to see Muck in Edmonton for a bunch of years. And then going to Buffalo was a pretty comfortable transition having Muck there. I mean, you knew what you were getting. There was no gray area. It was black and white. You either did it his way or you got a trip to the office to be yelled at. So, uh, hey, you know what? I love Muck as a coach. It, yeah, he got yelled at once in a while, but at the same time, you knew he cared. And he was it was actually fun to play for. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, Razor, too, uh, John Tortorella was an assistant coach under Muck. What was that like? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> that, that was nothing. The hard part was when I had Rick Dudley and John Tortorella at the same time. <laughs> Those two guys were just dynamite together, man. They just, they were, they were crazy, but so intelligent. You learned so much that there was no downtime. It went from being off the charts crazy because they're losing their minds to sitting there having like a fatherly conversation, you know, <laughs> with duds and, and torts. They were so they in their in their minds they could be polar opposites at any given time. The craziest to the kindest, nicest people in the world. And that was the one that took a little while to figure out, but uh Torts, I'm telling you, is the nicest man out there. He's he sometimes is a little too nice for hockey because he's it's all. It, if you knew him and you and you played for him, you'd realize that it's all about you, the person first. Mm-hmm. And he always tries to make you the better person in turn, thinking and make you the better player. And I think that's where a lot of guys get confused with Torts. But if you understand him and and listen to him, oh, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Love him. Uh, Rob Ray, Grant Fuhrer with us on uh, Sports 1440 just after uh, 9 o'clock. It's 9.10 in Edmonton. So, Rob, I wanted to kind of touch on uh, an angle with you with uh, Rick Janaret because we've talked talked to Grant a lot about his relationship yep. with Rod Phillips here. And Rod was the first guy basically that Grant met with the draft in Montreal when he was drafted by the Oilers. And then you you had a, a very, very special bond with, with Rick uh, Janarat, who unfortunately passed away uh, this summer. But just the, the when you did the narration of the three or four minute video tribute that they ran at the start of the year, man, did you have to do about 10 takes? Because he probably had a lump in your throat as big as an apple. 
No, because I was still kind of afraid that if I screwed it up, that he'd give me shit <laughs> because he was like that all the time. And you know what I loved about RJ? I, when I was a player, you couldn't wait to get into the room after the game to listen to what he had to say about you if you got in a fight or scored a goal. When I started working with him, I was 36 years old, mm-hmm. and I went from being the cocky player to all of a sudden here I am, the little kid again with my mouth shut, scared to say anything, and the old man giving me trouble every time I made a mistake. So it took a while to work through that and comfortable with them. It took a lot of beer, uh, a lot of uh, ice bags full of canned beer on the bus to to, to calm him down some nights. But he, he was he demanded perfection. And if you looked at him and listened to him, you know, it's like uh, amazing. But behind the scenes, like he's like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. Mm-hmm. And this is the way you're going to do it. And uh, he was a pretty special man, pretty so, special guy. Yeah, so Furzy, then you saw Rod here and Rick there. Can you kind of yeah. explain the, the differences and similarities, I guess? Well, the similarities were they both had a huge passion for the game and they were both great people. I think that's the other thing is you get to know them a little bit, spend some time with them. They were both phenomenal people. But, yeah, the excitement of listening to them call a game, there's nothing like it. And I think that's the fun part of it. And getting the opportunity to spend some time with them and you kind of get a gist for how they're thinking and such – it probably has a little bit to do with why I'm actually doing TV and radio now. <laughs> there you go. So, Rob, what would uh, if you were to, if you were told, I don't know, 30 years ago, that Grant Fear is going to be doing color commentary for the Coachella Valley Firebirds in the American Hockey League? What would you have said? Hmm. Zero chance. I'd laugh because <laughs> all I ever really seen him do, if he wasn't telling a story, he was just sitting there giggling, you know, giggling, and I'm like. Kind of hard to get your story out when you're giggling all the time. So <laughs> I think it's great. You know what? I, I, because a guy like Grant has got so much to add to the game. He's seen so much. He's experienced so much. And that's what people want. Half the time when we do our job, it's not what's going on in the ice. It's it's the other stuff that you're talking about that makes a huge difference and people want to hear. So, hey, guys like Grant got personality. They got stories. They got character wit. That's that's who they want to hear, and I think it's great that he's doing it. So, Furzy, again, you probably listened to and, and watched, I don't know, dozens of games that Razor's been doing over the years. Uh, how do you think he's made that transition? Because, well, actually, how's this, Rob? Can you So you played 900 games. How many games in TV have you done? Do you know? Oh, my gosh, 19 years. Yeah, so you're... you're 82 games a year for 19 years. Yeah, so you're... I can't count that well. I'm not that smart, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so you're probably almost double of what you played. So I'm sure, Grant, you've listened to, to Razor do many games over the years. What what are your thoughts of him doing the games? No, Razor's been great. I mean, I think that's the fun part is, uh, you know, he's been around the game such a long time, and it comes out when he broadcasts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fun part. And you know what? He was great as a teammate. And from his playing days to his TV days, it hasn't changed. I think that's the great part about it is his personality hasn't changed. If he doesn't like something, he basically says he doesn't like something. He's not going to spin it. He's not going to sugarcoat it for the guys. He just tells it like it is. And I think that's the great part. The other thing, Grant, is that you can hear it and see it and you've, you've for, for years. I don't know if you can find another person that loves the Sabres or Buffalo more than Rob Ray. 
No, Razor's a fixture there. He could pretty much be the mayor if he wanted to be. Probably should be, but no. Well, if you, if you can con an organization in to pay you for 35 years straight, <laughs> then you'll kiss their butts as much as you want because no other person out there is that dumb. <laughs> uh, hey Razor, did you have uh, when you first started? Was one of the harder things to do being critical of you know former players, teammates that uh, that you were close to? Yeah. Was that hard? Yeah, you know the first hardest thing was we we it was always hey uh, we need to do this we need to do that and it's it's them yeah. you know you had to kind of get over that but yeah because a lot of the guys you played with and and it took a long time for those kind of guys to weed their way out of the off the team or out of the system where you could actually kind of, you know, just be yourself. But, yeah, no, I, I think it, it, it wasn't that bad because the guys understand it. They understand that you have to you have a job to do. You have to be honest. In this town, if you're not honest, then they're going to run you out of town because uh, your credibility goes out the window. So guys get it when they're here. They understand that. But, yeah, it was a little difficult at the beginning, but after a while you just – you just lose that, and, and now the new guys, you, you know them, but you really don't know them, yeah. so you can say whatever you need to say. <laughs> how, trust how, me, there's people listening. They come up to you sometimes, and they're like, hey, my mom heard, my girlfriend heard, I heard that you said this, yeah. and it's like, yeah, probably. You don't deny it, just go with it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. How much has that changed, uh, I guess, that relationship with the players over the years for you? Uh, big time for me. Uh, you know, you, you kind of... You get to know them, but you don't try to get, you know, real close to them. And, you know, because you have a job to do. Yeah. And, you know, but like I said, these guys monitor things well. And they're not as open to sitting down and, you know, having a coffee with you and talking about things. The odd time when you're in situations, they'll ask about the game, the past, uh, you know, something that happened, a player or something like that when you run into them on the road. But for the most part. You know, these guys just mm-hmm. kind of do their own thing. They're, they're their own company, their own business, their own people. They just, you know, they do their thing, and you understand that, and you do yours. Rob Ray, Grant Fear with us on Sports 1440. So to that extent, Grant, how do you handle that dynamic, and how have you done that, uh, being able to kind of have that relationship between the players and yourself uh, in Coachella Valley? But for me, it's a lot easier in the American League because you don't really know a lot of the players. So I... I can socialize with them a little bit, but I don't get real close to them. Mm-hmm. So, and they know, I, I told them right out of the gate that the game of hockey is going to explain itself. If they're bad, then they're bad. If they're mm-hmm. good, then they're good. So there's no trying to spin it. Either you're playing good or you're playing bad or you're doing what you're supposed to. And they understand that. They respect that. And it's made for a good relationship with them. So, Razor, at the end of these interviews with uh, Grant's former teammates and friends, I always leave something open where you can ask a question to Grant, and Grant will ask you one. So I'll give you a little time to stew on that one. So, Grant, I just wanted to kind of touch on that with you in the sense of what kind of teammate Rob was. Uh, I mean, 3,200 penalty minutes, you can tell that he's sticking up for every teammate that he ever played for. But what about that aspect when you were in Buffalo, what you saw firsthand from a guy like Rob Ray? No, Razor was tough as could be and fought everybody. I think that's the wild thing is I mean, he's not an overly big guy, considered some of the heavyweights that came into the league, but not afraid of anybody and a great teammate. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is he was a great teammate. He was fun to have in the locker room and the players could ask him to do anything. The coaches could ask him to do anything and he would do it. And it was fun to have around in practice because he kept the game light and yeah. kept it enjoyable. 
So, you know, Rob, out of all the guys over the years that you had to have a tilt with, and I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, who are some of the guys that you're going, oh boy, I'm going to have my hands full when this happens tonight and when this uh, goes down? Well, I always, always hated uh, fighting Joe Kosher because mm-hmm. he hit like a ton of bricks. And when you fought him, you just, every time he touched your face, it was like a hammer hitting your head. Uh, those kind of guys. There were most guys. Uh, you know, Tony Twist was one of those guys. Hit me so hard in, the, in my right temple one time. Pushed my eye through an orbital bone. My whole face filled full of air. Those are the kind of guys that scared you because you didn't know what was going to come from them. Uh, you know that you didn't know how they were going to react to things. But you know, most cases you didn't really worry about it. You kind of had that mental position that you could handle it. Those guys. Yeah, you win with a, a little more of an ease and a little more of a, more caution when you got involved with those guys. Kosher was lefty, correct? I think Joe Kosher could hurt you with either hand. <laughs> yeah, well. He hit me one night in, in New York, He's, and my eye, I think, was shut before his hand left my face. <laughs> That's so hard he did. Oh, man. Like, I mean, how did you kind of, I guess you get the question asked, how did you, how did you do that job for so long and, and be able to, I guess, generate the courage every night? How, how did you do it? Well, you know what, I think it was just the passion to play and the desire to be, you know, play, continue to play and, and probably realizing that, you know, my way to stay here is this is what I'm going to have to do. If I want to stay here, then I'm going to have to do it. And you, and you bought into that and you convinced yourself that that was, you know, that's what you needed to do. And you did it. You're young. You're, yeah. And then after a while, it, it just kind of became, you know, a normal routine that you did. And you never thought about it quite as much. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's like you wanted to play in the NHL. That was the ultimate. So you did whatever it took. And that's for me. That's what it took. So, you know, you and he was pretty good at it too. <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing. Well, you, you live and learn. You know, like my first year in the minors, I'd never really fought before. I fought a little bit in the minors or in junior, and that they said this is what we want you to do. If you want to do it, there's going to be a chance for you to play someday. Hmm. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do it. So you're 19 years old. I got 46 fighting majors, 440 some minutes in penalties. My first year, you couldn't see out of your eyes for about six straight months. But the next year, you get a call up, and it was like everything you went through, all those stitches, all those everything, it was instantly worth it because mm-hmm. you're you're getting a chance to play that first game. And if that was it, then that was it. But you know, fortunately, it worked out. But it's it was all worth it. It's amazing what you do to to get to the, to where your dreams need to be. Well, 900 career games in the NHL, uh, over 3,200 penalty minutes. And again, so you maybe had a little chance to stew on it. I'll ask uh, Grant. Grant, do you have anything you've known Rob for over 30 years? Uh, is there anything that uh, top of mind that you want to ask the Razor? Yeah, I want to know how you managed to get out of your jersey so quick most of the time. Well, Grant, you just know that, you know, when that thing came off, especially at home, it turned into a very special night later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My wife's standing right here, so I have to be careful what I say. But it, it, yeah, you know, you just kind of pull those shoulders in. You never had the pads hooked on, and away it was gone. It gave you. But I was smaller than most of those guys doing that job, so you had to find a way to to uh, get a little bit of an advantage. So. 
Myself and the fight doctor, Jim Pizzatelli, over the years, you've kind of tried a lot of things, and finally you found something that worked. Were you one of the, the guys that they brought tie-downs in because of? I, I was the guy. Okay. It's called the Rob oh, no, Razor. Trust me. It was Razor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went, from, I went from having no tie-downs on to everything coming up to having a tie-down in the front and in the back because I found once the back was tied down, they just lift up the front and get it up over your eyes. So I'm like, that's enough of that. So mm-hmm. tie the front down too, so there's no movement whatsoever in the jersey. So before the the tie down, then Razor, your strategy was, you know, if you had nothing on, they couldn't grab on anything. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. And you were confident enough that at, at your age uh, that you know the body you had wasn't going to make everybody sick in the crowd, <laughs> so you could, you know, you didn't mind taking it off. Oh. So yeah, heck yeah, you just kind of. I found that, you know, all I had was Velcro on my pads and my shoulder pads on the shoulders, so it hooked to the jersey. So when one came, the other came, and that's just all it was. That's all it was. So, Razor, have you got a a question or two that you wanted to ask Fierzy that maybe you haven't had this opportunity uh, to do it on a show like this? I just just wonder how a guy like Grant was able to keep his physique and and stay in shape the way he has over the years. He hasn't changed since the day he walked into our dressing room. It tells you he didn't have to be in great shape to play. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll go back to having Georgie Babcock happen to tie your skates. (laughs) Check it out. I know how that feeling was by the end. Oh, I know. There were days the body didn't feel very good, but you just find a way to make it work. And then I spent the one summer running in a pool with torts. So that that was entertaining for a little bit because neither of us liked to swim. So they dump you in a diving tank with a little belt around your waist that'll let let you sink, but you're going to sink slowly unless you keep moving. And spending a summer with torts doing that was most entertaining. What was that all like? Is that just to get into shape, Grant? Or or what was that? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much rehab the body, get the body to feel good again. And it was funny. Torts just kind of decided that I wasn't going to do it by myself. He was going to try it. Well, it turns out he doesn't swim and I'm not the greatest swimmer in the world. So you've got pretty much two fools in a pool trying not to drown. So like he had a suit on as well. Yeah. He had the little belt on too over at the (laughs) university of Buffalo. And that's how we spent our summer. Is that the first time you ever worked out? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, man. That's you know, it's great that you finally found that late in your career. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, hey, certain things will only carry you so far. Oh boy, I know eh? talent can only take you so far, and then eventually <laughs> you gotta give into the other part of it. Yeah, well, this has been just a, a real hoot, uh, Razor. Thanks for taking the time this morning. Uh, quick one, just uh, I, is Tage Thompson getting close to getting back for the Sabers here? Gage Thompson is, uh, they said today, going to start skating with the team here in the next few days. Good. Yeah. Need him. Yes. So should be back in the lineup. Alex Tuck finding out today what was uh, wrong with him and an update on Zemigas Gergitson was going to happen today too as well. So uh, Tucky probably sooner than later back in the lineup uh, or I'm sorry, Thompson sooner or later, and then Tucky probably a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, uh, Sabres need them back. Uh, you guys are just right on the cusp of uh, pushing and moving something forward here. Just your your thoughts on kind of what what uh, how things are going to shake down here in the next little bit for Buffalo? Yeah, no, they'll they'll be fine. You know what? They work hard. They 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 come at teams. They work hard. They've had trouble scoring lately. A uh, little inconsistency in net. 
but a lot of that comes from our guys not helping them in front. And, you know, our team is not a, a big, overly aggressive team, so we have to learn to play against teams that are coming at us and, mm-hmm. and playing physical. But, you know, we got a, a tremendous amount of young guys on this team that are going to be very good players. Uh, you know, you got Luko Pekka-Lukin in the net right now that is a big man, and he's he's playing really well. And Eric Comrie's played extremely well when he's gone in. Guys love this guy for, for a backup goal. He's doing an excellent job. And it buys time for Levi to go down and, and play some big minutes in rot. So, yeah. you know, we're still supposed to be a team that's hitting the playoffs this year. you still got seven or eight, you know, young kids that are 22 or younger on your on your lineup. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things happen here. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and it was great uh, to hear some old stories between the two of you guys. Uh, uh, old teammates, uh, good friends, uh, thanks for doing this, Razor. Hey, take care, man, anytime. Jersey, take care of yourself, okay? <laughs> you too, pal. Great talking to you. Get, like, maybe find a cold tub or something and cool off, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, at this age, you're getting in a hot tub. There's no getting in a cold tub anymore. they say that cold tubs help us lose weight. So I'm thinking (laughs) about ousting the the, turning the hot tub into a cold tub. And then we don't have to do anything. We just sit there, smoke cigars, and lose weight. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Razor, you got to get going. We got to roll here. So uh, thanks for doing this. We'll chat soon. Take care. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Take care, man. Bye-bye. That's uh, Rob Ray, uh, former Buffalo Sabre, now Sabres analyst and uh, old teammate, good friend of, of Grant Fears. So uh, I could imagine just by listening to a few of those stories, he was quite the character in the dressing room, Fearsy. Oh, definitely the life of the dressing room and a lot of fun over the years. Yeah, I, it, why, what is it? It seems that uh, the, the um, enforcers seem to have that that grasp to be able to have that ability to to be that glue and to, to be funny, to be the guy that keeps things light. To, it, it, it always seems to be that way. Do you, do you, can you explain why? You know what? Most of them have great personalities. And because of the job you do on the ice, nobody ever gets to see that. Mm-hmm. They always think they're big, mean guys where they're actually big teddy bears away from the game. And fun in the locker room. They keep things light. They know they have a job to do and, the seriousness starts when they hit the ice. Mm-hmm. Up until then, they've all got great senses of humor. They're all characters. And that's why everybody in the dressing room loves those type of guys. Yeah. And Ray, Rob Ray was a, an undersized guy, as you said. And for him to be tackling these big, big guys, like Coaster was a monster. And, you know, when they were playing like Bob Probert, I mean, Kelly Chase, Tony Twist, these guys are big, big guys. Chaser wasn't very big. But yeah, yeah, fair. The rest, of, rest of the guys are all big men. He, he'd throw Dave Brown in there, and, and there's there's a lot of big men around that were tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we'll take a quick break. More with Grant Fuhr coming up after that break, and we will go in or out with Fuerzy at nine forty. Plus, uh, Tim Murray from uh, Vizen Primetime to bust down the uh, college football situation. Oh, some people in Florida not happy. Other people in Alabama quite happy, right, Grant? I mean, it was pr- quite the quite the weekend, wasn't it? You know what? It was an interesting weekend, and there was a a number of teams that could have crawled into that top four. And you knew Washington was getting in. You knew Michigan was getting in. It was the four spot that everybody was kind of looking at going, okay, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And Florida State losing their quarterbacks is probably the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will chat with uh, Tim Murray about that at uh, 10 o'clock. So still much more to come. Kevin Carey's Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. 
Ooh, all right. Welcome back to the big program. Uh, 9.35 in Edmonton. Kevin Carries in the Stingray Sports 1440 studios. Grant Fear down in Palm Desert. Uh, man, that was a lot of fun with uh, Rob Ray, wasn't it? Oh, no. Razor's a great guy, and he's got a great sense of humor. And <laughs> He was a great guy to be around when I played, and that hasn't changed. He's still just as much fun as ever. Yeah, the line about, you know, when the jersey and the pads are come off, it usually meant for something else great to happen later in the evening. I, was, I thought that was a pretty neat way of explaining it. Um, uh, it was something I would expect him to say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, he did touch on Tage Thompson, and Bill Hoppy from uh, Covers the Buffalo Sabres says that Tage Thompson will be back tonight. Uh, that's probably from the morning skate. Uh, not the morning skate, the practice this morning in Buffalo. Also, uh, Elliot Friedman uh, posting that the Flames announced that uh, Jacob Markstrom has a fractured finger. So he is out week to week. Dustin Wolf uh, gets the recall from uh, Calgary, I guess, uh, f- to replace Markstrom. So what do you make of that? And Grant, I'm, I think I saw yesterday Kevin Weeks trying to explain about the blocker, how it's changed to protect fingers. But this happened in practice that Jacob Markstrom took a shot underneath there. So can you kind of explain how it was with blockers and how it is now? Well, when I played, there was no padding on your fingers underneath the blocker. Mm-hmm. So if a puck get up underneath your blocker, it actually hurt a little bit. And then they started to put a little padding, a little bit of padding and then as the years have gone along, there's, of course, a little bit more, a little bit more. But mm-hmm. you can still get a finger jammed underneath your blocker. And it, Games are the fun part of being a goalie. Practice is not that much fun sometimes. That's where most of the guys end up getting hurt. And that's where you get all your bumps and bruises is mostly in practice. So on a shot like that, would that I, I haven't seen the shot and no one's really explained it, the, how he got hit or hurt. Uh, a fractured finger, that's got to be tough to kind of get through. I mean, you got to grip the stick. I mean, is that the toughest part, or, or what would you say it would be? It, it, gripping the stick, and it all depends which finger as well. I mean, I think that's the other thing, because you've got a finger that rests right on the stick. So if it's that finger, every puck that hits the stick is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that with a thumb when I was in L.A. Had a puck come up underneath and jam a thumb, and you would prefer guys to shoot high. It, there's a lot less pain involved in that. And at that time, with the upper body gear, everything up high hurt, but hurt a lot more in the fingers. So, yeah, fractured fingers for a goalie are no fun whatsoever. Uh, and again, you, if you say it's the pointing finger, so it'd be on his right-hand pointing finger, that's going to absorb every little jar and jab from a, a shot or whatever, being down at the, the bottom hosel, I guess you could call it, or whatever you call that, on the on the flip. It literally, everything that hits your stick runs through that part of your hand. So a broken finger there doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. That's the worst part. So how much has the protection changed now? There's a lot more padding underneath there now. They've got some foam and they get a little bit of plastic over top of the foam. So it gives you a little bit of protection, but you catch a deflection where your hands open a little bit, you're still going to catch it in there and where there's no padding. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what happened and how he ends up breaking a finger. Yeah. So, I mean, as we said, so Dustin Wolf gets the recall. Uh, Dan Vladar has, you know, he's played pretty well for the Flames as well. But what have you seen from Dustin Wolf whenever time, whenever you've seen him play in the AHL when uh, the um, uh, Calgary's been playing uh, Coachella Valley? Well, you know what? He was, he's been the top goaltender in the AHL the last couple of years. And last year, I think he was the MVP of the AHL. Mm-hmm. So I, he's a phenomenal goalie. He's 
well, they call him undersized. I say he's a normal size goalie. <laughs> he's about 5'10, 5'11. But he's very athletic. He's got a great personality. And the guys from the Wranglers, when they played against us, feed off of that. And he's a gamer. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is he just competes and competes and competes and finds ways to stop the puck. It's not always the prettiest, mm-hmm. but he gets it done. And it's kind of a he's kind of a throwback to the old time goalies. Mm-hmm. So now that you know Calgary, there's no denying that Markstrom's the number one there. But would you see Wolf and, and Vladar maybe on a split, or what would you see? Would you see maybe more Vladar? Or I mean, it's hard for you to say. But I mean, if you think Wolf is ready to take the step and be a true legitimate uh, number one in the NHL, a lot of people think he is down the road. Uh, how do you see this kind of moving forward in Calgary? Well, it's, it's kind of a nice problem for Calgary because now you get to see your two young guys play. Mm-hmm. So now you can see what options you have, where you go, because at some point they're going to have to make a decision because Dustin Wolf's ready to play in the National Hockey League. So now you get the opportunity where you get to see Dustin Wolf play, you get to see Ladar play. So it, it's a nice problem for Craig Cronray to have down there. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of texts coming in earlier, Grant, and a few uh quick little emails and uh, posts on social media talking about how guys are shooting the puck, the way they shoot it differently. Uh, Mark Spector and I touched on it at uh, the eight o'clock hour, how I guess players back, you know, let's call it 15 years ago when they brought in composite sticks. Well, a lot of the players hadn't used them until they got to the NHL and then everyone changed. So now all these players are using composite sticks and are used to them. They, They start using them when they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And they have the uh, ability to use them all through their junior career coming up to the NHL. So how much has that changed, do you think, how hard, how accurate players shoot nowadays in the NHL? I think you see more guys shoot the puck well. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, the accuracy part of it hasn't changed a lot. It's still the same. Guys back then, you look at Mike Bossy, guys like that, they were pretty accurate. And back then you had maybe three or four guys on each team that really shot the puck hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas now everybody can shoot the puck. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Al McKinnis, he still probably shoots it harder than anybody with a composite stick. And he had the wood stick. You look at a guy like Reed Larson, same thing, big, heavy shot, still a wood stick. So that you, you look at that, but they give up a little bit of the control. You see a lot of pucks bounce off of sticks with the composite. Mm-hmm. Whereas the wood sticks, you didn't see that as much. The guys had better control. They may not have shot it as hard, where it, it's the progression of the game. That's Now you look at the goalie equipment. The goalie equipment's getting bigger. It's gotten lighter. So everybody, it's a win-win for both guys. Yeah, there's that. there was that cushion, I guess you could call it, with the wood. Yeah, they just the pucks didn't pop off of them, whereas the composite, it's designed to pop off because you want the puck to, you want to be able to shoot the puck harder and quicker. Mm-hmm. So you give a little to get a little. Well, we are going to have Are You In or Are You Out coming up uh, after the break. Some uh, pretty good uh, points and questions that the Duke of Delburn has put together, Grant. So we'll do that with Grant Fear when we come back after the break. It's Carius, it's Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for Are You In or Are You Out? Uh, Grant, are you ready for Are You In or Are You Out? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. And, and you know what? The Duke has put together this fancy, snazzy New intro. Here it is. We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they 
Jersey, you got to be excited about that now. <laughs> I like a little techno start to things. <laughs> so, the Duke of Delburn has uh, thrown together five topics of conversation for the day of the day, what's going on in and out of the sports world. So, Duke, fire away. Starting off uh, with where we started off the show this morning, talking to Dave Maloney out in New York. Uh, the Rangers, they had themselves a terrific month of October, and they're back in action tonight uh, as well, taking on the Senators in our nation's capital. They have one more win than the Boston Bruins out in the Eastern Conference, uh, a point behind them, though, due to an overtime loss differential. But I'm saying the New York Rangers are currently the team to beat in the Eastern Conference of the NHL. I'll let you lead off, Fierzy. Go ahead. I'm going to go with I'm out on that one. I think there's too many good teams in the East. You look at Boston, you look at Carolina, I mean, and the Rangers have ran along pretty smoothly, whereas the other teams have battled some injuries and such, and they're all still pretty close. So I just think there's too much parity in the East to make anybody a real front runner just yet. Okay, I'm going to go I am in on this one. Uh, only because of listening to Dave Maloney this morning, talking about the balance that the team has, talking about how Jonathan Quick is possibly the number one free agent signing in the offseason. He's played fantastic. They they have a goalie tandem that's probably second to none right now in the NHL. Plus, the main thing that I got from him is that they are sort of on a mission after being up 2-0 to New Jersey last year. And I think uh, the Rangers have a little bit of unfinished business. So I am going to go, I am in on the fact that the New York Rangers are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Number two, uh, Toronto Blue Jays, tons of speculation continuing to swirl around their pursuit of coveted free agent Shohei Otani, but also rumors linking them to Juan Soto and uh, Cody Bellinger continuing to lurk in the background as a big off-season acquisition for somebody this f- winter. But uh, I'm saying the Toronto Blue Jays, they will land one of Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, or Cody Bellinger this offseason. Oh, another tough one by the Duke. I'm going to go, I'm out on this one, Fierzy. I'll say they will not land any of these three. I think Otani will sign with the Dodgers. I think that Soto signs, or it's not signs, he gets traded. Soto will get traded to the New York Yankees. And Bellinger just will go, I don't want to play in Toronto. So I'm going to go, I am out on all three of these guys landing in Toronto. I'm going to go with them in, but I'm also a Blue Jay fan. So (laughs) I I think they get one of the three. I mean, it's a club that's got some potential. It's they're showing signs of growing and developing. And I think they're They need to add one of the three to make that next push. Okay. Yeah. I think the, the speculation around the Otani stuff, I, like as a Jays fan, I'm not getting my hopes up. I do think it is still a very outside chance, uh, despite what a lot of the uh, the rumors are telling us. But there's enough pressure on management uh, based on what we saw from the team this year, particularly from an offensive standpoint, that they have to do something. And uh, assuming they miss out on Otani uh, in free agency, they will link a uh, circle background on the Soto trade possibilities. And then I think if need be, or maybe uh, they take this approach first instead of trading for Soto, just signing Cody Bellinger, because they were linked mm-hmm. to him uh, going back to last year too. So I, I do think probably one of Soto or Bellinger will be a Blue Jay next and, spring. And I just want to see them sign Otani just so we can grease the texture that 
texted every time, Grant. We just bring up Otani and the Jays. We get a text. I don't even know the guy's name. I can't remember now. Do you know? I can't remember. But either. within one minute, you guys are dreaming. You, go, you guys have no concept. He's not signing in Toronto. I just want to see that happen just so this guy can text in again. <laughs> you know what? Money talks these yes, days, so you does. never know. You know, and we were we were talking, Grant, if the Jays were to sign Otani in Canadian funds, probably about a billion dollars Canadian. Yeah, I would have been <laughs> guessing probably he's going to get somewhere upwards of $750 million, yeah. so yeah. I think six, we, six we hundred. Yeah. numbers. Yeah, just a bit of cash floating around. Yeah, what's, what's a few hundred million here or there, right, <laughs> uh, to, to a great... Great company like Rogers Media. Can't say enough good things about them. Hopefully they uh, are listening and uh, shell out the the dough to make it happen. But uh, number three, shifting back over to the NHL. Uh, We talked about it a bit with Frank. There are some uh, scuttles of expansion uh, around the Board of Governors meeting in Seattle this week. Uh, Yesterday was actually the five-year anniversary of Seattle being granted their expansion team now in their third season, 2021, their first fall in action. I'm saying that the NHL should not be looking at another expansion team until at least 2031, 10 years following Seattle's Oof. first year in the league. You want to go first, Fierzy? Sure. Okay. I, from a personal standpoint, I hope they hold off on expansion. I mean, I think you're kind of at the limit for talent. The more teams you add, the more the talent gets watered down, and I'd like to see them – pause on it a little bit. I think there's some franchises that could possibly move before they hit expansion. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I'm so on board with you on this, Fierzy, to, to agree with you. I just, I don't know if the NHL will follow that template and follow that plan for two reasons. Uh, $500 million when Vegas came in, $650 million when Seattle came in. The next expansion fee will be upwards of a billion dollars. That is such a massive cash infusion to the league, to the owners, to everything. The game, the teams are going to be watered down, but I guess money talks, so I'm going to have to go the other way on this one. Which doesn't shock me. You usually follow the money trail to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm in agreement with the grant here that uh, the fact of the quality of competition and getting things sorted out with uh, the Arizona Coyotes and their future um, down in the Valley. And there was an announcement this morning, Darren Dreger reporting that they have purchased or are finalizing a purchase of a parcel of land to get an arena built. Uh, but even some things uh, in other markets that, yeah, things are great when the teams are winning, but there's still a, a lot of concern around fan support in places like uh, South Florida and things. So I think the NHL would be wiser to get all their current houses in order before building a couple new ones. Mm-hmm. Number four for you guys this morning, uh, Cincinnati Bengals with a big win last night. Jake Browning coming onto the scene, uh, 350-plus yards, a touchdown. Joe Mixon with a big night, uh, too little too late for Kevin Carey's fantasy team, unfortunately, <laughs> in that regard. Um, but uh, I'm saying uh, despite the win last night, Bengals moved to 6-6. Six and six. They will still miss the playoffs this year, but once they are back with Joe Burrow under center, we'll be back to the AFC Championship game next season. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say... I'm going to go that the Bengals will. I'm going to say I'm in on this one. I'll say they'll miss this year, but I think once Joe Burrow comes back, uh, I think they have a lot of offensive pieces to the puzzle. They need to clean things up a little bit on defense. But you know what? I had a lot of fun, to be honestly, watching Jake Browning last night. He he was calm. He was cool in the pocket. Uh, he started out with about 
five passes under one yard, it seemed, but he came on and finished with 354 yards. Maybe they can make a little bit of a run for it, but I'm going to say that they'll be back next year. Yep, I have to agree with that. I think they're going to miss this year, but they'll be back. If, if Burrow's healthy and Browning's the number two guy, I think it puts them in a really good spot, and I could see them going back to the AFC final. And even if they decide to, to move on from Joe Mixon, uh, how about uh, Canadian running back um, Chase Brown? Yeah. Last night made his debut, uh, paced the team in yards, uh, most of it coming off one big 31-yard scamper. Mm-hmm. But nice to see the uh, the Illinois alumni making his uh, his mark on the game last night. Final one for you guys, uh, steering away from the world of sports, at least semi-partially. Uh, uh, this day in 1933, prohibition ending in the United States. And uh, there's, uh, there's different ways you can go about wording this. I think there's a, a popular toast that involves it ending in sour mash. But uh, you can, the way I'm phrasing it, you can, you can keep your, your whiskey, your wine, your tequila, your whatever. <laughs> Nothing pairs better with sitting down to watch a sporting event in person or on your couch than an ice cold beer. Well, I, I guess I have to agree with this. So I have to say in because they're, here's the other thing. There's so many brands of beer now there's so many craft beers so many t- um, flavors where you can go you know what even on a sunday morning duke at 11 o'clock there are so many breakfast beers if you want to call them uh that a guy has to partake in them so i'm gonna go i'm yes i'm uh, in in the fact that there's nothing better than watching any sports with a nice cold beer yeah, I'm going to have to go with, I'm in on that, being as you look at beer sales over the last 10, 15 years, they're not selling that much beer for nothing. So <laughs> guaranteed, guaranteed they're curling up watching sports with it. So definitely an in. Did, did Hicksy ever send you that bottle of wine, Fursey? Yeah, no, I think I'm going to have to come get that one in person, I think. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... Because I love uh, like Sunday morning if uh, mm-hmm. if it's one of those Sunday mornings sitting down at eleven o'clock to watch the football game I like maybe mixing in a Caesar but um, there there's just something about it and I'll be here's a question for you Kevin and Grant okay. and I know you guys don't go to hockey games just as fans per se anymore uh, especially like you know you're going to the Oilers game you're going as Kevin Carey is no. the host of the Kevin Carey show but like are you ordering a craft beer when you're at Rogers Place? I'm not probably. I'm trying to get the quickest beer, you know, without a line. How's that? Well, sound? good luck. I don't think that matters what you're after in but that regard. To be honest, mostly it would probably be uh, Coors Light or Molson Canadian. Yeah, I would imagine. But I have had a craft beer only because that line was shorter. Hmm. Fury, what what do you do? If I'm going to watch a game, I'm probably having a Pepsi or a Coke. Yeah. So I I still enjoy going as a fan, and I'm just not a beer, big beer drinker. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the other, the other thing, too, if you ever get to the Oilers alumni room, and you've been in there, Grant, but I've been lucky enough to go a couple of times, you can kind of sneak a red wine out to the stands, can't you? That's that's always good, isn't it? <laughs> I've seen that. It seems to be really growing in popularity, oh, yeah. like in the in the seats at Rogers. Like yeah. people will come out with wine in the in the plastic cups. Yeah. Why and wouldn't you? Like that to me, that just it doesn't mesh properly. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> They're drinking wine at the hockey game, and I en- I enjoy a nice glass of wine uh, with dinner or something. But at the hockey game. Right out of the box, Duke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, or um, <laughs> barefoot, barefoot, a nice barefoot Moscato <laughs> with my uh, Chef Boyardee yeah. supper on a Friday oh, night, boy. perhaps. You know, showing, showing the ladies a good time. That's yeah. the only way I know. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's date night for sure. <laughs> that's got it written all over it. <laughs> well, down here, tequila's big. Yeah. 
And well, you know you what? I see a lot of people going to their seats with tequila. Hmm. I started. We've got a tequila bar. We've got a whiskey bar. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting venue down here. Didn't they have a big special at the last uh, Coachella Valley game where uh, I think it was a couple bucks or a uh, beer or something like yeah, that? Five dollar beer night. Wow, that's that's exciting. Uh, I started doing a little. Do you like tequila, Grant? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the fact that some of the guys that have invested in tequila companies have made a ton of money. Ooh. I guess George so, Clooney, the last one. Yeah, I mean, I wish I'd have done that, but no, not a fan of tequila. Well, I've been drinking it with uh, Crystal Light. Lemon, lime, crystal light, and tequila. I call it the Dickerita. Do you, you do, you, do, you, do you sprinkle the powder straight into the tequila? No, no, I mix it up. I, cut no, it up no, with water? No. I mix it up, and then I just <laughs> sprinkle a little salt on the top. I, I, I usually, it's very refreshing, actually. So There was one time at Edson Slow Pitch Tournament where we brought all the ingredients to make... Um, John Daly's, like Arnold Palmer's, with the, with the liquor in them. And we ran out of vodka, so then we started using tequila. But then we ran out of water, so we just were pouring the powdered lemonade and iced tea straight into a cup full of tequila and stirring it up. Hmm. And I can tell you that did not agree with us very good come our uh, 8 a.m. Sunday morning game out at the Edson, <laughs> Edson uh, Kinsman Fields. Wow. How about this one? And uh, Grant, I think you could probably relate to back in the day when a guy used to go a little harder. I don't think we do anymore, but we used to go uh, to football games and take, you'd sneak in a bottle. Everyone snuck in a bottle to football games, but we would uh, buy Mike's Hard Lemonade for mix. So we would use that with with vodka and use Mike's Hard for mix. That's just dumb. Take a little bite out of you in the morning. That's just dumb, is what that is. Uh, when we come, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk uh, college football, and uh, I think you're chomping at the bit to get at this one, uh, Grant, with Tim Murray from uh, Vizen Prime Time. That's coming up after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear. Up next, though, here is a Sports 1440 update with the Duke.